Well, thank you again for joining me this episode of the Freed Way Thinker. As always, I'm your chauffeur, Tyler Vela, on this short edition of the Freed Thinker podcast. If you like this episode, the shorter content, longer content, I've just started branching out into YouTube. For those of you who like video content better, I'm going to be exploring that medium a little bit more. So uh, we'll see how it goes. If you appreciate that, please consider becoming a sponsor on the Podbean page or by uh, sponsoring us on Patreon. I wanted to talk really briefly uh, about the question of mystery. This comes up in a lot of discussions. It has apologetical uh, impact. It has uh, systematic theology and kind of ecumenical questions about it. So I wanted to talk about appeals to mystery as a means to overcome objections and when that is acceptable and when it is not. Um, And I'm going to try to give a very, very brief and succinct category difference between two different uses of mystery and and talk a little bit about why one is uh, why one is rational and one is not uh, this comes up primarily in uh, conversations about uh, uh, evil and freedom and such when dealing with atheistic and skeptical objections to Christianity and it comes up in the discussion between uh, Calvinists and Arminians or, or with Lutherans uh, and so on and so forth so I want to talk about this a little bit. What is a bad appeal to mystery? Let's start with the bad first and then we'll get to the good. A bad appeal to mystery is when mystery is used as a band-aid to overcome um, an objection about the logical validity of something, right? So uh, I think that, and, and I love my Lutheran brothers and sisters, but I think that they do this quite often. So when we push them on a lot of a lot of concepts that they have, um, like uh, the atonement, where they are going to affirm a a universal atonement, not universally efficacious, right? They're not universalists in the sense that they think everyone is saved, but when they when when uh, they believe in a universal atonement, or or maybe better put a general atonement, um, that Christ actually died for all the sins of all men, right? And they because they want this. Uh, or they need this. Well, I mean, they think it's biblical. I'm, I'm not trying to say that their their motives drive their their theology on this, but maybe a little bit sometimes. But uh, they, I mean, they they think that this is the biblical position, um, and and but they also think one application of it is that this is the only way to have a really monergistic uh, gospel proclamation. That it's it's not a conditional gospel proclamation saying that you have to do something or have something happen to hear and have the gospel be for you. Um, so there's there's um, uh, there, there's some consistency questions that they would push on, say the Reformed Calvinist, for example. The problem is though, <clears throat> is that they also at the same time want to deny. They want to affirm a strong monergism. And they want to deny any any aspect of, of human conditionality on on the atonement. Well, they run into the same problem that that we have with Arminians. Then at that point, we're going to say, well, then if, if Christ died generally for all the sins of all people, um, then logically all should be saved, right? It should it shouldn't be conditional uh, on on someone's you know repentance and faith, you know, mustering it up by their own will. Um, that that shouldn't be the case. Um, and, and Calvinists avoid this by affirming total depravity and and um, irresistible grace, where even our faith is a gift from uh, and, and a determined factor of God himself, so that God is all in all, the just and the justifier. 
Um, so, you know, Calvinists have a consistent response to this. Arminians and, and, and Lutherans don't. Arminians try to, to wiggle around it. Lutherans, though, will often just slap the bandit of mystery on it, right? Antimony. Well, it says both. They look contradictory, but, you know, it's, it's God. It's a mystery. We, we, don't, we don't know. Um, they're trying to use mystery as a means of, um, of rejoinder to a logical objection, right? Um, where, where there's a consistency, there's a, there's a, a contradiction problem or some other logical problem. That's a bad use of mystery. Um, uh, that, that, um, that, that's just not a, that's not a proper way to use, um, mystery. Mystery is something that, uh, exists simply because we are, we are finite beings, uh, and, and God is, is, uh, eternal and infinite and immutable and, and ineffable and so on and so forth. All right. Uh, this also comes about a lot of times when, when Christians are dealing with atheists, um, and, uh, <clears throat> and, and, and specifically where they're dealing with the, 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 you know, objections to something like, uh, the problem of evil or, or the Trinity, Right, so so atheists will come along and say, "Oh well, you know, you have one God and three gods. How's that the case?" And an unsuspecting Christian will say, "Oh well, you know, we're finite. God is infinite. It, you know, there's a there's a mystery there that we can't understand." Well, I mean, the real response is there's no logical contradiction because the claim isn't there's one God and three gods. The claim is there's one God and three persons. There's one what and three who's. Right? That's not a contradictory statement. Now, how that reconciles, right? We're we're not avoiding a contradiction now. How you know understanding uh, the 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 ins and out of the ontological trinity might be, I think, is too lofty for for humans to to completely understand. We can grasp it, we can apprehend it in the scriptures, we can comprehend the basic structure. Um, but when, once it gets beyond that, I, I'm I'm fine saying that there that there is a bit of there's there's some mystery about the nature of God in that regard. But that's not a way to escape. Uh, an objection uh, for logical consistency, because the the logic question is just easily resolved in pointing out there's no logical contradiction by saying there's one what and three who's, because you're you have you're, you're dealing with uh, two different types of propositions. You're not saying what what and three what's. You're not saying one person and three persons. You're saying one what and three persons. Uh, those are those are different concepts, and so you're you're dealing uh, with a logical problem without appeal to mystery. Um, so that's the bad use. Of mystery. What's what's a <clears throat> what's an appropriate use of mystery? Well, I've already given one with regard to the Trinity, right? It's it's appropriate to say, for example, uh, God has not saw fit to reveal some fact about Himself or about His creation, um, right? In the Old Testament, the salvation going out to the gospel, uh, going out to the Gentiles via the death, burial, and resurrection of the Son of God incarnate. <laughs> was a mystery. Paul calls this a mystery. It was not revealed yet. Uh, it was it was not known yet. Right? There's no contradiction that existed that Paul is trying to slap mystery on to overcome. He's just saying, look, there's 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 this fact that we didn't know yet. It was a mystery that has now been revealed to us. Right? It's not a mystery to us any longer uh, because it has been revealed. But up until the time of Paul, up until the time of Jesus, it was a mystery. Anyone before that could have said, oh well. What's happening with the Gentiles? We don't know. It's a mystery. We may, 
you know, maybe there's going to be, there's some hints in this direction in the scriptures that we can see. Not maybe there are hints in that direction, but it hasn't been revealed as definitive fact yet. Um, this, this, this can happen um, when, when Arminians try to say, oh, well, when, when, uh, when a Calvinist just appeals to mystery because they, they claim uh, that God has decrees and we don't know the decrees of God. And, oh, well, it's a mystery. Well, yeah. I mean, we, we can understand the, the decrees that God has revealed, um, the decree to create, for example. Um, but God's, God's decreative will... Um, what he has decreed, what you know, for, to come to pass at any moment, whatsoever comes to pass as part of God's decree, um, we don't, we don't know. We, we don't, we, you know, it, it is a mystery. God's, God's, uh, you know, uh, down to the minutia of God's decree is a mystery to us. We don't know what's going to happen ten seconds from now, right? We might be able to guess, but we don't know for a fact um, what will happen, um, and that's okay. Right, so when when Armenians are saying, "Well, well, can you even say who the elect are?" No, because God hasn't saw fit to reveal to us who the elect are. He's given us uh, certain standards um, to measure people's confession and profession and their and their um, their their behavior, right? Their their uh, orthopraxis when compared to their orthodoxy. Um, he's given us certain certain ways to measure that and evaluate if someone is likely or not likely to be one of the elect, one of one of God's sheep. Um, but do we know that? No, it's it, it it's part of the divine mystery. We don't know. Um, that's not a that's not a negative use of mystery to simply say God has not saw fit to reveal that. We're not escaping. Uh, an objection towards logical contradiction. So uh, I hope that helps clear up some of the questions about uh, appeals to mystery uh, and why some appeals to mystery are acceptable and some are not. Thank you again for joining me. Drive safe and God bless.